It's, it's a long and thorough process. And we want to first off thank and welcome the committee chair for this year's committee, the selection committee, Dewey Nats from UW-Stout, a former coach himself, now the athletic director at University of Wisconsin-Stout. And first off, thank you very much for joining us. One of the coolest names of all the committee chairs we've had on over the uh, six years we've been doing this, uh, and no offense to Dick Heiser, Joy Solomon, and Brad Bankston, but Dewey Nats, we're thrilled to have you. Yeah, I don't have I don't have fancy red bright red hair like Brad, so I have none. So, but I do appreciate you guys having me. Uh, it's been a a busy grind, and it didn't just start yesterday. It started about you know it started in September with our national committee getting organized and actually moving forward. Our, our regional reps have been grinding away for about a month now, trying to make sure we have the best representation and the best pool we can put together. So. Thanks for Director, having me. Well, thank you. And Director Nats, let me ask the uh, question that we don't usually hey, hey, ask. Hey, let's just call me Dewey. That works better. Since I it's was such a hoping, fancy name. I was hoping you would say that, to be honest with you. Uh, Dewey, uh, why did you want to do this in the first place? We don't really ask our committee chairs this question, but in the, every year I see it, every year I realize more and more just how much of a strain it is. And you were a coach, now an athletic director, so you've seen it on both sides of the fence, I understand, and it makes you very valuable in that. But why did you want to do this and lead this process this year? Well, there's two parts to that question. Um, the reason I'm on the committee, I guess, um, I coached football for, for 20 years, was a head coach for three years, and kind of became an athletic director out of happenstance. It was something that came up, and I still had the love of football in me, I guess. So um, this opportunity came up two years ago or a year ago. Um, there was an opening on the committee and thought that I, it was something something that I could maybe still be involved in and give back to football a little bit. So uh, you know, I, had, I applied for it, I guess, as you say, for the committee opening and, and had a good resume. I think I bring them something a little bit different because I'm an administrator that actually coached football, and that does provide some valuable insight. I, I served on the West Region RAC committee when I was the head coach, so had a lot of experience with that and, and went through some frustrations with the ranking process and different things. So thought I had something to offer. How did I end up the chair? That is by default. Uh, I'm one of the, the deals with the NCAA. It's too difficult for a coach to be the chair. And since I was on the committee last year, I was a rookie and learned from Brad as much as I could. But one of the stipulations is the, the chair needs to be an administrator. And guess what? I was the only one left. Uh, and so it, it's not something where somebody new coming in can come in and do this. And, and even for me, it's it's new, but... Um, so I, I am the chair by default, but we're going to try to do the best job we can and, and try to to do a, a, a little bit of, of the great job Brad did last year and the previous years. And, and having a good committee is the key to that. So now, that now I know answer. That's okay. We got all the time in the world that you can give us. We'll put it that way to you. But overall, we'll talk about what you learned from Brad, perhaps, and what we kind of noticed in this year's bracketing, especially in a second. But for those that are new to this entire process, and we try to explain it, we actually did a transcript for our friends at Gallaudet last week, so they could understand how this all works. Take us through the last 24 hours, especially what happened exactly 
from where you were in Indianapolis, but during the conference call across the country with the members of the selection committee? Well, it starts, uh, and like I said, it started with the rankings, uh, with all of the regional rankings, and that takes place. This was our, our third and final ranking, so um, what we've done up until now is have our region, we have two chairs um, uh, that are on the national committee that serve as chairs of the regional committee. So each committee, uh, regional committee has eight members as well, and they're really the heart and soul of, of this tournament and the work that they put in is very, very helpful because they do the rankings of each region, and, and that continues on. They do the rankings, and then the national committee gets together, looks at the rankings, talks through things, um, has good discussion, and then you, you go from there. So yesterday was a day uh, J.P. Williams and Eric Brees and I and, and Ashley Smith, the other NCAA person, were here in the office watching games online. You know, we got to see the end of the Albion game. We saw the end of the Platteville game, you know, and different things. Watching my son's team play, you know, they, they were playing yesterday as well. So we were doing a lot of different things, watching games online and just getting scores entered. Once the scores are entered, then we push those scores out to the regional committees. The regional committees, the east, west, north, and south, all get on, do their calls. They rank their, their regions to the best that they can. Um, that gets pushed back to us, and the national committee gets together. I think we got together on a call at 9 p.m. last night, I think, and we were on the call till 11.30, some, I don't know, midnight, I don't even remember. But just to try to, you put all the AQs up, and then you talk about the Pool B teams that are eligible, then you talk about the Pool C teams that are eligible, and then you uh, try to do the best job you can looking at everything. You know, there's a lot of criteria involved, wins and losses, the, the ranked opponents, win-loss, the strength of schedule. And you can't just look at one of the columns. You have to look at the entire picture and we try to use our rack as much as possible to let them give them some freedom because they really know their region the best. Um, they're the coaches and the administrators within their region. So, so the national committee doesn't look at the West region as an example and then change things around. And we try to let the rack rank them the best way that they see fit, and then we try to try to put it together, and we think we have a, a very good tournament, very good teams. There's, as always, very good teams that aren't in it. I wish we could, you could put six, seven more teams in it that deserve to be in it this year, but then where do you draw the line? Then you got to put six, seven more in, and it's, uh, it's a difficult process, and, and you feel bad for a couple of those teams that aren't going to make it. But, you know, it's a, it's a process, and we try to follow it and do the best we can. So, Well, the, uh, for those just joining us, Dewey Nats joining us, who is the NCAA Division III selection, uh, Football Selection Committee chair, uh, chairman from uh, this season here, obviously. And uh, I'm Frank Rossi, James Baker, with me on In the Huddle. James will be having some questions from uh, Twitter coming up in a little bit uh, for uh, Dewey Nats. But I've got one more for him before we kind of jump into that uh, angle of things. Dewey, I alluded to something Brad Bankson had talked to us about last year on our show. Uh, let's talk about 
the easy part. You had a bunch of automatic qualifiers that went undefeated, and obviously these are you know the upper echelon teams. Last year, Brad had told us that uh, the committee had attempted to take basically the top eight teams and give them what would essentially be number one and number two seeds. And I know we can't talk about seeding numbers per se all around here, but there was a certain uh, logic to what he had to tell us that they wanted to pair up the ones and the twos in certain ways to, you know, give the best one to the worst two, et cetera, in the pods and whatnot. But to definitely put an emphasis on making sure that the one seeds and the two seeds were given that distinction and put correctly in the brackets, and then the rest of the seeding and the bracketing would occur uh, after that was done. Was that basically the same process used this year? Yeah, it's similar. You know, we can't use the seedings, you know, and the rankings. The philosophy is to play regional games as much as possible. And and if you look at our bracket, I, I even I heard you talk about it earlier. Um, we you, we've reduced flights in the first two rounds um, already, which is an important factor in, in today's budget world with the NCAA and the different universities across the country, it becomes more and more of a factor. So, you know, we look at everything. Um, who wants to host games? Uh, who doesn't put in to host games is a factor. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely some undefeated teams across the country that maybe, you know, are hosting and have things set a little bit better for them. But, I mean, that's I think that's part of the process to get – get the best teams to where you, where they should be, and it's a process. Now, the last uh, couple of seasons, we've seen some definitely more jumbled up pairings, especially for the second and third rounds that w- would have automatically led to flights in many cases. What, and we've talked in the past about how the first round is definitely avoid the flight if you can avoid the flight round for the NCAA, but they didn't seem to take so much attention or focus and put it on to the second and third rounds, the ensuing rounds, was there more of an edict this year to kind of say, okay, also the second round, please make sure you reduce the flights more so than normal? Yeah, I think, I think there was, you know, our, uh, our budget's being reduced a little bit, you know, we're not supposed to, to grow it out of control and different things. So that's definitely a part of it. And it's not just something the committee decided to do. It's a, and it's a Division Three philosophy to try to play regional games. And, and, and actually, once we had the 32-team pool put together, figuring out and bracketing it to make it work to, to reduce flights actually worked out pretty well. And, and, you know, it's a different pool, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But, you know, it's a definite part of that. It costs a lot of money to fly 70 people to different parts of the country. And, because of the proximity of a couple of our, you know, a couple of the very good and top teams across the country with Linfield and Mary Harden Baylor, there's no schools in proximity, so there's going to be flights, and we know that. But to throw an extra flight in is difficult to justify, you know. So with Pac Lutheran going to play Linfield, they're in the same conference. It's it's not the best thing, you know. If we had unlimited funds. We wouldn't do that, but felt that that was an important thing that, that we had to do with the bracket this year. And so hopefully that answered your question. 
It most certainly did. Thanks, uh, thanks, Dewey. This is James Baker, and, and again, you're in the huddle with Dewey Nats, the Division Three Championship uh, Selection Chair Committee, uh, the Committee Chair. Let me get that right. That's <laughs> a mouthful. I've always been bad with intros, and Frank can attest to that. But uh, you know, overall, we, we've we've seen a lot of positive feedback on on the on the bracket. Our friends at D3Football.com even tweeted that they applauded the effort, and they you know they thought it would really did a good job you know, uh, putting putting the teams together. I guess to nitpick a little bit, I mean, if I'm if I'm a, a fan of, of Johns Hopkins, drawing a team like Wesley, who just beat a, an FCS, um, you know, a startup member, uh, and has been a sort of perennial power in Division Three in the first round, I mean, I get how, how it makes sense from a geography perspective, and to be fair, Wesley is 8-2, and two, um, but they do have one of the highest strength of schedules in, in all of Division Three. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, how that pairing came together and, and to, the, to the extent you can? Thanks. Yeah, and, and I apologize, guys. I, I don't know the East and the North as well as I, you know, I've been in the West for 25 years, so I understand that a little better. But, you know, I think it came down, the, the number one thing probably if you look at the entire bracket and, and Wesley Johns Hopkins is, okay, who puts in to host? Um, who's one of our, our top? you know, top teams that we think should host. And that is one of the first-round games that, that should be a good game. The Pack lutheran Linfield is another one. You know, there's a lot of first-round games that, that I'd like to see, and I'm not going to be able to get to them. But, you know, it's uh, there's certain things you can do, but, you know, to take a Wesley and send them to Linfield or to Pacific Lutheran, it's just not, not functionable, and they have to play good teams. And... And Wesley is a good team. You know, they had, they did have, they played a tough schedule as they always do, uh, because they're where they're located, and, and probably part of it is because of how good they are. You know, that's that's one of the things. But they did have the two losses, you know, going into the bracket, so so probably weren't as high a seed as, you know, and they weren't a seed. I make sure you quote me on that one, but that's just kind of the way it fell together and. And sometimes you take Wesley and you move him to play North Central. Well, then it's a flight. You know, do you move him up to to play Mount Union? Well, that's not right with with Mount as one of your your top teams going in. So it's a matter of cut, paste, move team, move a team here, move a team there, see if it creates a flight and see where it all works. And sometimes you take, you know, one team out, pick anybody, and slide them over here because you think it'll be a better fit, and then three teams fall out over there, and it causes a flight in the second round that you don't need. So that's kind of how it goes together. Hopefully that helps you. Absolutely. And uh, also, uh, let's we'll play devil's advocate for Wabash fans, for instance, out there who probably assume that they uh, had a chance on the board uh, to uh, go in. They had a one-loss record versus a St. John Fisher team that has two losses this season, but a much better strength of schedule and a better record against regionally ranked opponents, we assume or presume from what we think, based on last week's regional rankings, things look like in the confidential regional rankings that we won't get to see. So I, I guess my question for you is overall, what did it take for the committee to kind of give a leap of faith to a two-loss team like St. John Fisher over what probably were one-loss teams, or at least two one-loss teams, uh, that were likely on the board at that point in time 
uh, at least in pick four or five, we're assuming this happened in. We don't know. You probably can't tell us. But St. John Fisher is in. Wabash is not. And another one-loss team at least isn't. Uh, can you explain to folks that might be upset about that what happened or why? No, uh, like I said earlier, there's there's about six good football teams, you know, six of them that all could say, hey, I should be in there instead of Platteville or I should be in there instead of Fac Lutheran. And it's hard. It, it, and that's telling the flat-out truth. It is hard. But it, it comes down to where teams are ranked in their region, you know, and I think there's some teams that didn't get in without being specific that maybe were the were the third pool C team in their region ranked, you know, from the from the rack as as things came through. Um, I don't want to get too specific with things, you know, but I think some of the the really good teams out there that didn't get in maybe were the the third pool C team from their region, and with five at large pool C teams in the country you're not going to get three from one region. You know, I think a couple of the regions had two pool C's, but, you know, getting that third one just wasn't going to happen. And, you know, I've been in that situation as a coach, and that's really, it's frustrating. Uh, We finished eight and two my last year as a head coach. And to tell your kids that you're not getting in the national tournament when you feel you should be, when you feel you know you can beat some of the teams that are in the pool, it's frustrating, but yet it's a uh, it's part of it, and, and they shouldn't hang their hats, you know, and be upset with us, you know, be happy about the great season they had and the experiences the the student athletes had, and you know, I can lump a whole bunch of teams in that group, you know, the the you mentioned Wabash, you know, they're in that boat. Texas Lutheran, you know, was another one loss team. Uh, Concordia Moorhead. Uh, St. Thomas, Oshkosh, uh, yeah. those teams. Millsaps is another one. Yeah, Mill, Millsaps probably to... played their way out, right? Yesterday uh, with that loss, yeah. it probably didn't help their cause. Yeah, that's part of it. You know, and I think you, you guys are right. St. John Fisher with 8-2 and two has a very high strength of schedule. The, you know, one of the tops in the country, I think. Uh, they were 2-1 and one against ranked teams, you know, in a pretty good region. So, that's what it came down to, and, you know, on behalf of the, the committee and the work they put in, I, I mentioned it earlier, it is hard, and you feel bad for the, the teams that don't get in, and, and and I've been there, so I feel it, but it's, uh, we think we put a pretty good pool together, you know, there's, I think I read somewhere, you know, you guys are D3.com or somebody, I think there's 16 new teams to the field this year. Well, looking at last year's pool, you know, so that's good. You know, Division Three football is a, is a fabulous thing, and this bracket and this playoff run is going to be fun. Let, let me ask you something uh, based on what uh, you, kind of your commentary on uh, the, the way things are because of, you know, the limited number of slots, et cetera, going on now. Uh, and there's a debate on this on message boards and Twitter, et cetera, earlier in the season as – we begin to look out into the future, and there are less and less Pool C slots or at-large slots available because there are more teams and more conferences because of that forming that are getting automatic qualifiers. Is there really a discomfort that you have personally as the shrinkage of Pool C occurs uh, in the future especially? Right now we're at five. We may be down to four uh, in the near future at the expense or that may be – 
a, a real cost value to the idea of you know getting the automatic bids where you'll have quote weaker teams at least uh, in the view of strength of schedules or win loss column et cetera getting in at the cost of those extra at large teams is that a concern of yours personally as we move forward here a little bit? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a concern, but it's also you know. The Division Three philosophy is the automatic qualifier. I mean, and that's a, a big part of the basis of Division Three athletics. And I don't think that's going to change. You know, I think it's uh, Division Three football. I think continues to get better and better, and that makes it harder and harder to come up with a, the best pool of 32. And uh, we were sitting here last night talking to the Division Two regional group a little bit you know their committee is they're putting their pool together you know they put it together in a short period of time and they still had a few teams that missed out but you know they take four teams that get buys and then the rest of them play in and then it's you know it's pretty boom 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 it's pretty easy but it's uh it's going to be difficult you know and each year we talk to the NCAA and try to come up with the best format and the best system, best criteria, best guidelines we can to help form, you know, the best 32 team we can. And uh, we have some good matchups. You know, I think that budget-wise we'll be down a little bit. Now that can change with a couple huge upsets and flights all over the place, but uh, right now, as it sits, we shouldn't have too many flights until we get to the quarterfinals, and then everybody could be fine, but that's kind of how it's set up. So hopefully that answered what you're looking for. Again, you're really in the huddle with it, did I? Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I didn't answer it, did I? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, after your, after your, your tenure in a, as an athletic director, maybe you should run for Congress or Senate there in, in Wisconsin. Dewey, but uh, no, I'm Have just you kidding. noticed the legislative problems we've had across the country? I am not interested. Yeah, I know. Talk about not getting any work done, period. Um, again, you're in the huddle with Dewey Nats, the athletic director and chairman of the Division Three Football Championship Selection Committee. Uh, Dewey, one of the one of the questions. This might this might be a, uh, an oddball one, but you you are in Indianapolis, and even if you don't have the answer, um, maybe we can follow up with JP on it. But is was it, uh, some folks had some technical difficulties seeing the D, the D3 selection show for a variety of reasons. Will it be uh, rebroadcast? Is it is it something that they they tape and then they put on their website? Do you do you have any info on that? JP, my friend here, just told me that well it will be on the website, so people want to watch it at a different time. And we had a little bit of trouble going through it to get to it through the NCAA website. So believe it or not, we accessed it through the D3.com website. Those guys do a great job. So, Yes, they do. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, I sent our best to JP, who uh, helped put this uh, together tonight. He, uh, he's been great with us. He's been great with the entire process. I, I owe him a drink in Salem, I told him, and I also owe you one, Dewey, uh, for coming on tonight. Well, we appreciate it. it you know, talking football and trying to share some knowledge and insight into what our group has done and are you hanging up now? Because we got to give a shout out to our committee and <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're, so one of my uh, yeah, one of the guys. That, well, one of the regional, one of the regional guys, uh, Chad Martinovich, the head coach of MIT, is a former teammate of mine. So I'll give it, I'll give him a shout out. Hopefully, his engineers will have a chance to play in the ECACs. But um, I know he was part of the regional committee. I'm sure you work with him. 
Yeah, and actually each region, our, our national committee, there's two guys from the national committee that chair and work with each region. So my friend from Concordia, Moorhead, Terry Horan, and I do the west, and then our other guys that do the, the east, north, south, and we come together. And, and kind of the culmination of our, our duties are just beginning. Uh, the next uh, month, basically next five weeks, our our, site, our regional reps, a lot of those guys will be site reps and, and help us host as a representative of the NCAA, help host these tournaments, you know, the games. Um, our national committee, you know, some of them will do games the next five weekends in a row away from their families and doing things just because they love the game of football and, and try to try to do a good job on behalf of the NCAA. So they volunteer tons and tons of time and, this job I'm doing uh, is just, I'm the figurehead, I guess you could say. I'm, uh, everybody else puts in a lot more time, and the the rack are the people that really don't get the, the thumbs up. And Eric and JP with the NCAA, those guys uh, keep us in line and, and our support. So we're getting ready for the grind, but it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of great football games in the next five weeks. Let me jump in and ask you two questions uh, to kind of close out here, and not specifically about the brackets. I'll be honest with you. This year we don't have as many questions about the brackets because it's so sensible, a kind of a Midwestern sensibility to it, as people always say, and probably because of your leadership this year. Here we go. Absolutely. But there's not many, let's say, baseline questions beyond the ones we kind of gave you on devil's advocacy earlier in this interview. So, Here's just general question number one. What do you advise the athletics directors and coaches out there that did miss it this time around or felt, hey, we went 9-0. and we'll, we'll use Hobart or John Hopkins on this one. We'll go 9-0 and or 10-0. and We've played everybody on our schedule. We've played our out-of-conference uh, opponents, decent ones at that, and yet we're not getting the respect we feel we deserve. What, what's your advice? What's your statement to those teams? Because – Yes, scheduling is done, you know, a few years in the future, obviously, but they, they maybe want to learn in this process as well. What can you tell these folks? Well, first, I take my hat off to Hobart. I saw those guys play a, a really good St. Thomas team last year. They are a very good football team. They're well coached. Their kids are very physical. And, and uh, you know, I guess from what I've seen, I see, I think, something that, that I see in the West a lot is uh and we're not that far west but we're in the west um you see a lot of to get the pool c bids i think what you have to do is you have to schedule very good non-conference games and you need to win them and that's you know the the pool c teams that that i think that's a key factor and and we see a lot of that in the west with uh Certain conferences uh, refuse to schedule certain conferences. You know, they avoid playing better football teams, I guess, for for reasons of whatever reasons they have, I guess. But it's uh, to get those pool C's and, and to get, you know, maybe that national notoriety is to play good football teams and then beat them. I, I, I grew up with Whitewater in our conference and this is when whitewater made the the push and the change what they did 
You know, Whitewater is a good football program, just so like a lot of the other teams in our in the Wisconsin League, is they made a commitment to play Mount Union and play the Mary Harden Baylors in non-conference games, and they did that, I want to say, in the early 2000s. Uh, Whitewater played Mount Union a couple of years back-to-back. It might even been a four-year swing. I don't remember for sure, but... You know, they wanted to play one of the top teams in the country and see how their program was run, see how things were, you know, just to see where they matched up. And I think Whitewater learned a lot through that process. They made a lot of uh, good things and good changes on their campus. Um, Another example from our league is Oshkosh, who had a great season last year. They did the same thing. They got Mount Union on the schedule. They wanted to be the best. They wanted to play the best and I think that's a, uh, something that helped both those programs. And over time, I think to get a chance to see how the great teams across the country, year in and year out, how they do things, I think that's very, very helpful for, for programs. And trust me, there's a lot of teams that you're not going to go into a Whitewater or a Mount Union and beat them, but you get a chance to see how they operate, how they do things, and, and see the type of talent they have. And it, it sets that benchmark. All right, here's where we got to go. Here's what we got to do. And and I don't want to single out Whitewater or Mount Union. There's I can rattle off Hobart's a great football program. You know the Linfields and the, everybody else across the country. There's a lot of them. So I don't you know what's amazing? It's just you know, what you, I know. Here, here's what's amazing on that whole discussion you just had. I've talked to Lance Leipold in Salem on a couple of occasions about scheduling generally. We've talked to Mike Craig, who's the head coach of Hobart. He's actually in the queue right now, so I'm sure he's loving the uh, love you're giving uh, to his team right now. He's, yeah, he'll I got be joining to meet us. Mike last year. He's, he does a great job. He's got a great program. So well, but they both at separate times have told us how tough it is to schedule because nobody wants to play these teams. It seems like, and yet. As you're saying here, probably some of the same teams that refuse to schedule them are the ones that are going to complain about, well, we didn't get in this uh, time around, and there's their chance. There's their opportunity, really. Uh, you, you've just laid it out right there in front of them to say, yeah. look, you, you can't predict everything in life, but if you play these teams, A, it makes you better, and B, it makes you look better in front of the committee. And so it makes complete sense. Uh, let me ask you number two uh, general question, our final question for you, which is, You've done this process uh, as the non-chair for a year, as the chair this year. What What is something or what things would you like to see changed in the process since the NCAA lays it out for you as to what your criteria are or aren't at, at any given time here? What would you like to see changed, if anything, uh, going forward that maybe uh, in the next couple of years we could see implemented? Yeah, what do, you, do you guys think a 60-14 bracket is possible? <laughs> Well, there are, what, 240 teams, so we're not going to be like the NBA where everyone makes the playoffs. I mean, come on. Uh, you should see the jaws drop on the NCAA guys sitting here. Yeah, you know, there's uh, a few more flights you know, there, too. I, That's you know, a couple. the guys before me and, and Terry and Lauren and, I, you know, the, the committee, the guys that have been around, and I should rattle those guys off before you take off on me. So, but – you know, I think the guys that before I, you know, had that chance to serve on this committee have done such a great job, and Brad Bankston being one of those guys, and Tim Gleason, guys that were on the committee and left last year. Hopefully they didn't leave just because I got on there, but I think it was uh, 
you know, guys that serve on this committee, you know, they don't get paid. You know, they volunteer. They want to make the NCAA playoffs a great experience and try to make it better. So it's a uh, – there's not much that we can change, I don't think. You know, we talk, we get together annually, and as a committee we'll meet again in February to review the the system for this year. You know, what can we tweak to try to make better? You know, there's things I think that we've tweaked that maybe aren't visible to to the public eye, but things that have, you know, simple things with emails and having things ready for our site reps and different things operation-wise that we've cleaned up a little bit. But, you know, the, the guys ahead of me have paved the way and done a great job of developing a process and guidelines and a system to do the best job we can. So I take my hat off to all the all the coaches out there and administrators that have served on the committee before, and we're going to try to tweak it and make it better if we can. If there's something that's real obvious, we'll we'll do that and bring it to the NCAA and the championships committee to see what they think, and and I think that's about it. I you know I don't see this system is uh, and uh, trust me, it's been a lot more in depth for me this year to see the process and see how it works, but it's, uh, it allows me to stay close to football besides watching my two sons play and, and watching our conference and the teams across. What I really enjoyed last year was the seeing the different teams across the country and, and how they compete and do things. And there's a lot of good, uh, good college football players that play division three football. And it's just, uh, they play because they love the game, and it's a fun thing. And if we can give them a little something to make it a little bit better next year and a little better the next year, you know, that's about all we can do. But I do don't we, see any big changes. Do we, uh, why don't you give a shout-out to your sons, where they play, for the, those that don't know, because uh, you seem like a real family man. You've mentioned them a couple times. So give a shout-out to your sons if you can. And I guarantee you they're not listening. But, that's fine. <laughs> we're, uh, not, we're on my son, older son Tyler is a free safety uh, for Stout, plays for the Blue Devils, and uh, my other son is a senior in high school, so he's looking to find a, foot, a place to play football next year. So it's been a, a oh, busy man, fall man, for you me. Know, Hobart, uh, Hobart and Mike Craig might be interested yeah. in uh, giving you a phone call after this after this uh, interview. <laughs> yeah. He is well, an interesting. Uh, different kids, they play different ways and different emotions. It's kind of fun to watch them both. But that, that's I do terrific. need to give a shout-out to our national committee, Lauren Dawson from Austin College, Mike Dunleavy from Averett University, Shannon Griffith from Manchester College, uh, my partner in crime, Terry, at Concordia College in Moorhead, Terry Haran, Clayton Kendrick Holmes from State University of New York Maritime College, sunny New York, uh, Chris Martin from the CCIW, John Marska from Albright College, and then our NCAA staff, J.P. Williams and Eric Brees. We're going to do the best job we can for you guys, and we will see you in Salem. That sounds wow. great. I think James has one more comment here. I, just, I mean, are you sure you've never listened in the huddle this season, Dewey? Because pretty much we do, we do shout-outs for all of our student guests. Occasionally the coaches will do it, but usually it's, it's reserved for the students, but you sound like you're a long-time listener of In the Huddle, so we appreciate the shout-outs and, and definitely tip the cap to everyone on the committee. Excellent job. It's great that we get to do this tournament, uh, win, it on the, win a championship on the field versus polls. 
So thank you for uh, for your your service and and all the volunteers who put together what'll be an exciting bracket, and we'll look forward to seeing the games kicking off on Saturday the 23rd. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dewey Nats. Uh, UW Style Athletics Director, and this year he was the NCAA Division III Football Championship Selection Committee Chairman and did a great job with his uh, crew. And uh, he was in Indianapolis himself, and uh, we hats off to him uh, and his entire uh, the staff and folks that he mentioned uh, for what they did there. We, we do appreciate it. We appreciate their time. The sixth straight year we've had the selection. Committee chairs, I get all choked up here, apparently. This selection committee chair join us here uh, in the huddle. So want to it's thank an emotional you. weekend, Frank. It's the playoffs. It, what can you do? <laughs> play, playoffs.